This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next, it's Studemonia, discussion and stories about living well in New Zealand from international students across Canterbury. Supported by the Ministry of Education. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Studomania, a show by, for, and about international students. The program is supported by the Ministry of Education, and we focus on international students living well in New Zealand. Today, we have a special guest in our show. She is the first Sri Lankan-born New Zealand Member of Parliament, Mrs. Vanushi Walters. I born, Wanakam, and welcome to the show, Vanushi. Vanushi, you were born in Sri Lanka and you moved to New Zealand at the age of five. So, tell us a bit more about your Sri Lankan family origin. Aibohan Vanakam Hamasha, and thank you for having me so much on the show. Um, yes, so I was born in Sri Lanka in 1981, um, and my family moved to New Zealand in 1987, uh, actually via Zambia in Africa. So we moved a year after I was born uh, in Colombo to Africa, uh, and then about four years after that, we moved to New Zealand. Um, and it was really my Sri Lankan origin that set me on the path into human rights work in many ways. Uh, when I was about 12, my mother told me the story of Richard de Souza, a journalist in Sri Lanka, who was my dad's second cousin. Um, and because of his human rights views, he lost his life. And that really started me on my human rights journey. Um, so Sri Lanka has always been both home, but also a place that really gave birth to my advocacy and activism. So born in Sri Lanka and moved to Africa and then brought up in New Zealand. How did you feel the cultural difference? Maybe you were too small to see the difference, <laughs> but how did you adapt to the new culture? Yeah, I, I think I, I was very young when we came. So I was about five, I think just about to turn six years old when we arrived. The first thing I noticed wasn't the culture, it was the greenery of New Zealand. I think coming from the very brown landscape of Africa, yeah. which is where we'd just taken off from and where I'd started school, mm -hmm. that was the first thing I noticed. But mm -hmm. of course, then there was also the difference in terms of culture and diversity in New Zealand. Um, I was very lucky in that I came from a family where my parents encouraged me to be proud of who I was mm -hmm. um, and so that was never an issue for me but I did do things I think like many children do and adapting to being in a new society so at home I would call my parents Ami and Aya mm -hmm. and at school I would refer to them as mum and dad mm -hmm. um, and I think many children just do that naturally in terms of adapting and I never saw it as a negative thing I think for me it was just about being able to communicate who I was to a broad group of people. Um, and again, I was very fortunate in that we uh, were part of a New Zealand-Sri Lanka friendship society in Wellington. Mm -hmm. So we would have cultural events, um, celebrate Sri Lankan food and culture in the weekends and in evenings, but then also take part in, in really Kiwi things during the week too. Mm -hmm. yeah. So glad to hear about all these things because I'm a mom to a six months who was born in New Zealand. Zealand. So uh, she will also 
feel the same cultural difference probably. Oh, absolutely. And to be honest, though, I think I'm also the mum of three. I think what young people will experience in the next 10, 20 years will be a whole different kind of cultural melting pot than Certainly. probably you and I have, and that the diversity in New Zealand is um, going to increase um, so hugely in the coming years as well. Certainly. Yeah. So what are the three best things that you like about New Zealand? Oh, I'd say the th- three things I love would have to start with the people. Um, what I love the most about Kiwis is that we are anchored in a sense of both kindness and good humour. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think we have this enormous ability to um, be values-based and to demonstrate to the world that values and ethics are important. But we also have this um, really great ability to see the humour in all situations, yeah. and that makes us wonderful problem solvers, great diplomats. Um, I think, secondly, it's got to be the extraordinary environment we have here in New Zealand. I'm lucky enough to live in West Auckland um, mm-hmm. in the Waitakere Ranges, mm-hmm. and it's just stunningly beautiful. The Black sand beaches out there are my absolute favourite across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'd say the arts and culture scene in New Zealand. I'm a big fan of New Zealand music Uh in particular, and so I really always love New Zealand Music Month in May, Um, right from, you know, the really old stuff to new emerging bands. One Mm -hmm. of my favourite New Zealand bands at the moment is a wee jazz band called Hopetown Brown, who are Uh Wellington-based. Um, So absolutely love the arts and culture scene. Across the horizon Like a burning fuse Dust in my guts Bugs in my beard Scout it up Like a thousand days ahead Prettiest thing I ever seen I ever seen thousand miles from forgotten Two days out of misery Wash my hands in alcohol Break it on A single moment rolling over in my mind The black and the guilt Clutching my brains A thousand miles from forgotten Like a burning fuse Dust in my guts Bugs in my beard Scarlet up 
Like a thousand layers of hell Prettiest thing I ever seen A thousand miles from forgotten Two days out of misery Wash my hands in alcohol Pray you don't go back to me Pray you don't go back to me Why does she? You are a versatile woman. You are a wife, mom, a lawyer, a politician. How do you manage or balance all these roles? What's the secret behind your strength? <laughs> That's a really good question. I know. Um, it's possibly quite predictable. So I, um, in our house, we have my husband and our three boys, and my mother also lives with us. And it is really that family unit that and their support and encouragement and their good humour on many days <laughs> that allows me to do what I do. Mm-hmm. My mum has always been my biggest advocate. Uh, mm-hmm. Right from when, um, as a young young girl, I got interested in human rights and advocacy, has always been encouraging me to stand up for the things uh, that are important to me mm-hmm. um, and encouraging me to see people and see values. So she's been a huge support. And my husband's very much the same. He's a lawyer in mm-hmm. his own right oh, um, nice. and uh, practices law still. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, even today as we speak, he'll be you know dropping and picking the kids up from school. He'll be taking them to their swimming lessons. That's lovely. Um, he'll be cooking <laughs> dinner tonight. So it's all that family support that really lets mm-hmm. me do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you're a granddaughter of Ratnasoti Saranamuttu, a member of the State Council of Ceylon and the first native mayor of Colombo, and also uh, Nasim Saranamuttu, Ceylon's second female member of parliament. Was that an inspiration for your political journey? It it wasn't, it wasn't. So they were an inspiration. And from a very young age, I was told stories Uh, probably especially about my great-grandmother, Nasim, mm-hmm. um, and the roles that she held in the leadership space at a time when women didn't hold those roles very mm-hmm. often. So, so she was absolutely an inspiration, but not to go into politics necessarily, <laughs> um, more to stand up for the things that I felt were important and to not be afraid of putting myself out there and taking on leadership roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tell this, I sort of say to people sometimes that this is probably not a secret anymore, but I never really wanted to be a politician. <laughs> um, so I've always felt that what I do best is um, human rights advocacy. Um, and in many ways, most of my roles have been about holding government to account, not being a politician. Mm. Um, and it's really because I've seen some extraordinary leaders like Jacinda Ardern, like our Prime Minister, mm-hmm. who have led with values first, that I've felt that this is a role I could do. Um, so my history has been a huge inspiration, but I think not necessarily to become a politician. The inspiration to become a politician mm-hmm. has been very much because of the leadership that our Prime Minister is showing. Yeah. Okay. So you're a graduate from University of Auckland and University of Oxford. So how has this strong educational background supported your political journey and your active role as a social worker? 
Um, I am a bit of a nerd, <laughs> so I'm glad we're talking to international <laughs> students today because I love learning. I mm-hmm. absolutely love learning, um, and so it's been really important to me. But again, I would say learning has been important to me not because of where what it might get me or the positions I may be able to mm-hmm. achieve because of it. I've loved it for its own sake, mm-hmm. um, and I think... It, learning has challenged me to challenge my own assumptions in mm-hmm. many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been fundamental. It's challenged me to meet new people and challenge the assumptions I hold about others. And so it's mm-hmm. been important in that respect. Um, so what's mm-hmm. in the books in themselves is, is so important. Yeah. But it's all the stuff around being at university that's important as well. The people I met at Oxford, for example, are all active in human rights around the world. So I've built those professional networks, which have mm-hmm. been really fundamental in being able to do the work that I do. Yeah. Yeah. So Wanoshi, you have worked for Youth Law Aotearoa and a member of Amnesty International, and also a senior manager at Human Rights Commission. We would love to hear the role you played in these organisations. Of course. Um, so all organisations really dear to my heart, doing fantastic work. The first one for me was Amnesty International. So I told you mm-hmm. the story earlier of um, my dad's second cousin, Richard. Yeah. Um, after I heard that story, my mm-hmm. mother also said that Richard's mother moved to London and became an Amnesty International activist. Mm-hmm. So I found out more about um, the horrors of uh, human rights abuse that were happening around the world and the role mm-hmm. Amnesty was playing to really address those. Um, and decided to join. And from Mm -hmm. there, I've always been a member. So Mm -hmm. I first joined as a student, led the student groups, then became a board member in New Zealand and then became one of the international board members for Amnesty. My work was really focused around policy development and human rights issues, the human rights issues space, Mm -hmm. but also working with Amnesty offices in the Asia-Pacific region um, to make sure that we were developing leadership capacity in, within those offices. Um, in terms of the uh, youth law, Aotearoa, I was there. It was probably mm-hmm. one of the places I was I was for the longest. I was there for nine years. Oh. And I absolutely love youth mm-hmm. law. Youth law is what's called a community law centre, mm-hmm. um, which for those of you who might not know, is a centre that offers free legal advice. Um, and this one to children and young people under 25. So if you're a student out there who needs some legal advice or you're not sure if you've got a legal problem, mm-hmm. you can contact Youth Law Aotearoa mm-hmm. um, and look them up online. They've got an 0800 number so you can call them from anywhere in the country. Um, I was there as a lawyer and then the senior lawyer and then the general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that at the Human Rights Commission, I was there first as the senior race relations advisor. Mm-hmm. So working specifically on discrimination, race relations issues and how we as a country ought to be addressing those. Mm-hmm. And then I was senior manager there managing the advisory and research team. Yeah. Okay. Such a big role. <laughs> so your special interest was always there for youth and children who have less voice in the community. Having a good experience as a human rights lawyer and a social worker, do you expect to raise voice on behalf of international students and immigrants in the parliament? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely have bring a human rights lens to mm-hmm. the issues that come across um, our tables at Parliament. Um, so in terms of the issues that face migrants, international students and young people, mm-hmm. I'd say I do take a human rights approach. One of the roles I hold in Parliament is as the Deputy Chair on the Justice Select Committee. Um, And so that's a committee that will eventually consider issues like hate speech, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, So that'll be very much playing on my mind. I also chair Labour's ethnic caucus. So the eight MPs who identify as multicultural get together and meet once every parliamentary sitting block, which is more or less once a month, to talk about the issues affecting migrant ethnic communities. International students will be part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so where there are issues coming out of the international student space, we'll be considering what concerns we're hearing, mm-hmm. and then we'll be relaying that to uh, sort of ministers and other MPs. So absolutely. But I should also say that there are other MPs within the Labour Party who also have a real interest specifically on the international student space. Um, Nacy Chen comes to mind, who mm-hmm. I know um, really wants to play that advocacy role in the space. Okay. So uh, would you like to talk about the approaches of the current government to facilitate international students? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was really pleased to see the two announcements that have been made by the government in the past. So the first announcement was made in October 2020, and that was to allow 250 PhD and postgraduate students to come back in to the country to facilitate the end of their education, because I know, Mm -hmm. um, as many of you listening will know, obviously, that with the COVID lockdowns, there have been restrictions on people coming back into the country. So with that group of individuals, as at at the 7th of June, 240 of the students have been nominated by education providers and have applied for visas to come back, and 178 of those have been granted visas. So that's well on its way. The second announcement was in January of this year when the minister announced that a 1,000 students could return who were pursuing bachelor's degrees and postgraduate degrees to complete their studies from April April this year. Um, So I understand that we already have a cohort of people who have returned under that announcement as well. And I think this is brilliant. I think a lot of people um, see this as wonderful because those students contribute to our economy, which is true. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think it's a case of fairness for those students. So many of them started their studies went overseas, the lockdown happened, they couldn't get back. So this, in my mind, is about ensuring those students, especially those who are closest to graduating, Mm -hmm. can come back and complete their studies. Yeah, it's a really good thing for international students. Mm. So last but not least, do you have any special message for all the international students in New Zealand? Yeah, I'd say as an international student, you're a wonderful part of who New New Zealand is at the moment, Mm -hmm. um, and you contribute so much in terms of who we are. So um, welcome back for those of you who've come come back into the country after the recent two announcements. Um, If you are having issues as an international student, just as a lawyer who used to work in the community sector, Mm -hmm. know that there are supports out there to help you. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage 
encourage you to contact community law. I think a lot of people assume that if you're an international student, you can't access certain helps. Um, That is not true. So if you're an international student, I'd recommend contacting Youth Law Aotearoa in the first instance if you feel like you have a legal issue. If you're not sure, please do contact them anyway because they can Mm -hmm. refer you on to a suitable service to help. Thank you for all this information, Vanoshi. And also thank you for joining with us for today's show. And we wish you all the best. I'm Himasha Gunasekara. And let's wind up today's show. And we'll catch up you next time. Thank you, Himasha. Thank you.
Thank you.